Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're continuing in our, in our War for Your Heart series. Um, today we're looking at uh, three weapons. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing week by week people going, wow, I've never stepped into this. I've never, never applied that to my life. I've never, like, focused on what God's given me to live victorious uh, in this this world around us that's it's just normally broken and then sometimes extraordinarily broken. Uh, we were singing that song earlier about how, about how fear, doesn't, fear doesn't stand a chance. Uh, there's only one way that fear doesn't stand a chance, and that's when we do stand in his love. Otherwise, fear has a great opportunity over your life and over my life when I move out or try to figure it out on my own, or I just am living Christless. Maybe I'm just, I'm not a follower and a believer yet. Uh, and so I encourage anyone here today, or you're watching online, or you're listening in K-Bay, and maybe you're tuning in later in the week uh, to this, that if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have not made that decision to, to follow him as Lord, Savior, King, and, and place your life in his hands, and then take on all the goodness that he gives I highly encourage you to not only make that decision, but like, just go, okay, I'm going to talk to some people I know who follow Jesus, and I'm going to ask them for input in my life. Um, That's where you go to find out about Jesus. Don't go to find out about Jesus from people who don't follow Jesus. The world will give you boneheaded answers at best. Find out about Jesus from his word and from those who follow him it's the best decision you can ever make. It's the only eternal decision you ever get to play in. And, and it'll transform you here and obviously forever and give you a hope and a future that is found in the one who made everything and will remake everything. So I encourage you to come to know Jesus and follow him. And know this, you don't have to be perfect to do it because you can't be. Um, you, you bring him all your baggage and he says, let me, let me take care of the rest. I'm the potter after all. Let me, let me refashion you into, into what I have for you. So as we're in this series, War for Your Heart, and looking at what it means to, uh, to live uh, in a broken world, but, but live victorious following a perfect king, uh, we, we've, been, we've been talking about a lot of different things, and most of them, it's, it's, it's a war for our hearts and our minds. It's obviously a war for the unsaved, because uh, Satan wants to wreak as much havoc as possible uh, on those who... Who, who don't know Jesus, he wants to wreak havoc on those who do, but he knows he doesn't, he doesn't get to change our eternal destiny. But he wants to come after the hearts and minds the most because it's out of that that we either, either live victorious or we live broken and desperate. So we've been looking at these key battle principles in this series. And in any battle you go into, the, the main thing you want to take with you uh, unless it's a physical battle and you have Rambo on, you know, on your team, uh, is, is you always want to take with you weapons. Nobody goes into a football game without, without the proper shoes and the proper equipment and a helmet. That would just, that'd be, that'd be you just, you're just begging for brokenness there. That's, it's, you know, it's gonna, you're going to find a lot of pain. Nobody would go into a war situation without, without the proper weaponry on their side, you're not going to be like, okay, I've got this spatula, and I've got a twig, and and I've got this this uh, Nerf ball. I'm going. You'd be you'd be torn up. You want to go with your 
with your rifle and your handgun and your knife uh, into a battle like that. So, so you need to have those proper weapons and then you need to know what they are and how to use them. So often we see, but we're like, I don't know how to use that. Well, that's why we do this life together, while we study scripture, while we, while we, while we call ourselves into community so we know how to, how to even wield the weapons of our warfare. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. We live in this current war zone, but we fight using spiritual weapons that are divinely powered to destroy Satan's schemes and to set people free. So it's for me to, to live free and whole, but also for me to live for the sake of others free, so they can be free and whole. So our goal today is that, that we become competent and confident in using the weapons that that God provides to remain free, to set others free. That's, that's really the gospel summed up. To, to love God and then love people and be on mission for them. To, to remain free in what he's given me, but then also to live for the purpose of others. I don't, I don't get saved and then go hide in a corner. That's a selfish mentality. He calls me to, to live for the sake of others, just like Jesus did. So we have three primary weapons, which is our big idea this week. The Word, which is Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus shed for me. The Word, we look at Ephesians 6, 17 to, to understand that that is literally the sword of the Spirit. We talked about that a few, uh, a few weeks ago uh, as we were talking about the armor of God and putting it on and praying on the armor of God daily, and I hope you're still doing that. If you're not doing that, man, step into that. Pray on the armor of God daily. It's not just a, a children's song or, or something that's just supposed to be, you know, oh, figurative. It is our armor for this battle that we face so that we can live victorious and protect the lives of others and even see others saved in the name of Jesus. But the sword is the only offensive weapon given to us. It's the, it's the word of God, Ephesians 6, 17 says. Time in the Word is very important. But, but time in the Word and, 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 and hitting your to-do list and, and checking off your, your reader boxes, that's not the, the real full answer. Knowing the one who is the Word is the answer. Because anyone can read the Bible. Anyone that can read and has it in their language can read the Bible. That doesn't do anything for you except for uh, you do get to know him more and all that. But, but if you don't know the one who is the word, reading the word is just reading something good. It is reading a great guidebook if it's not your relationship with Jesus that's leading you to do that. Knowing the one who is the word is what matters most. So what's your focus? Getting through the Bible? Man, I do this every year. 17 years straight, I read this Bible. What's it mean to you? It means I can... I can complete a task. So what's your goal? Getting through the Bible or letting the Bible get through you? That's really a good question to ask. Am I letting this change me or am I checking off a list and feeling good about it? I'll tell you what, I, I lived checking off a list for a long time. I went to private school growing up, so we had to. We had to read the Bible every year. So I was very proud that I was always the first one to finish the Bible in my school. So I could brag that I finished the Bible before everyone else. And I went through schooling knowing about Jesus and applying none of it to who I am. 
there came a point when, when I said, I need you. And he's like, okay, I'm going to transform you. And then all those things you've read out of duty and pride over all these years, then it's, I'm going I'm to illuminate that truth. So it is good to read it because then he can redeem what maybe you did wrongly. But don't just read the Bible to read the Bible. Read the Bible because it's Jesus. Jesus was the word before the Bible was written. Right? He was the word before this was written down in the Old Testament and the New. He's always been this. But we don't worship this. We worship the one this is about. So do you read to complete a task? Or to, to know the one who is the entire word of God? Five minutes... Of, of true heart devotion in the word might impact you more than an hour of, of, of finishing a task. So when you read, don't feel like you got to get it done and you got a lifetime to get it done or you're going to be with him for eternity. But, but let it speak to you. Let it be illuminated. Let the Holy Spirit like highlight certain parts to you. Let him lead you and guide you. Scott, I have a hard time reading the Word and studying the Word and all this stuff. I get a little confused. Man, join a real-life group. Yes. Be in a Bible study on Tuesdays with the, with the women or on Thursdays with the men or on Thursday nights with the women or come to Wednesday Night Live. We're looking at the Old Testament and we're seeing what it meant then and we're seeing Jesus in the Old Testament and we're seeing what it means to us now, how we can take something 3,000 years ago and go, this is literally for us right now. Yeah. But we're doing that together. So if you struggle with that, man, come and just let other people help you to grow in your, in your understanding of Jesus as the word. And don't just be like, well, I just, I just got to read it all, I guess. Because you're probably not gonna, it's probably not going to infuse you if you just do it as a task. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. The author writes, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. He's saying there, this word is for your spiritual body, for your soul, and for your physical body. Because it gets a little confusing. It's like, why, what is the slicing and the marrows and the, I mean, I don't get, basically, we could tear it all apart and we could give you, you know, a thousand dollar understanding of it theologically, scholarly style, but just for those of us that, that love the brass tacks, it's for your soul, it's for your spirit, it's for your body. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Oh, I'm not sure if I really like that so much, right? When it says it exposes your innermost thoughts, what if we just said today, you're coming on stage and uh, surprise, we're going we're gonna to expose all your innermost thoughts and desires. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, where's the door? Where, how fast can I run? I'll make, a, I'll make a hole, right? Here's the thing. He doesn't do it to embarrass you. It's the Holy Spirit illuminating stuff in you to set you free. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. It's like, okay, praise God. Jeremy's on, on he's being exposed to. So, you know, it's like, it's not just me. He's just everything. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable this word fills and empowers and enlivens and redeems us. Praise God. It also exposes things in us and pierces our soul. But it's for our benefit. And so we don't, we're not bound by that junk. We're not chained anymore. 
We're not, we're not worrying about hiding that, that shameful thing. The Lord shows it to us and he, and he brings us to this place where we, we're, we're convicted and we're following. We're like, I just want to be set free. It's not always fun in the moment when things get exposed. I mean, I've been there. A lot of y'all, you can tell your story. You're like, that was hard when I had to walk that through. But I am free and, I, and that's just a part of my Jesus story now. I'm not embarrassed by it. You know, it doesn't define me anymore. Because I'm free because the Lord exposed that in my life. Let this word change you. So when you need wisdom or hope, when you need protection or comfort, it's a part of you and it's not, it's not some, some book with some good stuff that you can kind of recall. Like you know the word and you can apply it in your life and you can tell stories what Jesus is doing and, and you can point people to, to wisdom and life, and wholeness. Next, we have after the word, we have the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. It's, it's a powerful name because of whose it is, not because it's the name Jesus. In fact, there were a lot of people named Jesus back then, or their version, Yeshua. We would, in English, Jesus. But that was a common name, but it was uncommon in that the God of creation named the baby who was supernaturally uh, created in the womb of Mary, a virgin. And so his name is powerful because it's his name. And, and so we need to understand the power of the name of Jesus, the one we follow. And, and we'll look at a story in just a moment, but in, in, in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, it says this about the powerful name of Jesus. This is why God, talking about the creator God, Father God, has given him an exceptional honor, the name honored above all other names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven and on earth and in the world below will kneel. And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day when even hell, filled with unrepentant, Jesus-hating unbelievers, will kneel and say, that's who you are. And, and it's, not to, it's not to spite them any, any extra They've already chosen that eternity because everyone chooses whether they live eternally with Christ or eternally without Christ. But it's, to, it's because he is Jesus and all of creation will bow before him and say, you're the king. You're the king. For those of us who follow, we should live that way kneeling before him. There will be a day when we all kneel at one time before him and we'll be like, hee-hee-haw. I'm excited. Can I kneel like, like, like a lot of us are like, can we just have that day come now? I mean, I don't like, like the world is crazy and it's coming. Maybe in our lifetime, maybe not, but we're excited for that day. But what this one, this passage is saying is he is, period, exclamation point. And at his name, you will all bow. And so we as believers get to live in the power of that name. There's a, there's a couple of stories I want to contrast in, in Acts verses uh, chapter 16 and chapter 
19. In, in chapter 16, uh, we read about, about Paul. He's, um, he's, he's in the city of Philippi, which is interesting because this, he tells this, this story is told about him by Luke as he's writing it. And then later he writes what we just read to the Philippian church. So I'm like, he's probably dealing with a lot of specifics they were going through. But there's a story and, uh, and he shows up in Philippi and, and they, it says here, one day we we're going down to the place of prayer and we met a demon-possessed slave girl. I mean, you start off a sentence like that and somebody's gonna be like, what? You know, so there's this demon-possessed slave girl who's telling fortunes and making a ton of money for her owners. And for days and days and days, it says, she just followed them around and she spoke truth, but in a real snitty, harassing, screamy way. It says that, that she followed them around saying, they, they've come, these are guys, men from the Most High God, they've come to tell you your darkest secrets so that you know how to be saved and, and all this stuff. And she just kept harassing them. And, and I love it because as you read this, it says that Paul got greatly annoyed. I, I'm so glad that that was written in the Bible about Paul. Not that I should take that and be like, so I can be greatly annoyed. But the humanity of Paul, God going, hey, it's annoying. I get it. But Paul's greatly annoyed. And he turns around and he calls out the demon in the name of Jesus. And immediately she's set free. And then they get put in prison because they're stealing the guy's money. Basically, they're like, they're raising a ruckus and they're making us lose money and they get put in prison for it. So the name of Je at the name of Jesus, this demon-possessed girl who made tons of money as a normal part of life in Philippi gets set free. Yeah. Just at the name, saying in the name of Jesus, come out. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Then you have the story in Acts chapter 19, just a few chapters later. We call it the sons of Sceva. Jeremy mentioned it a few weeks ago, but these... These seven Jewish sons who didn't follow Jesus, they were like, hey, I want to get in on this gig. Like, like stuff's happening in the name of Jesus. People are throwing the name of Jesus around and like casting out demons. I want some fame and fortune. And so they started doing that. And, and it was, seemed like it was a little bit successful there uh, for a moment. But uh, they, it says they tried to use the name of Jesus in their incantation. That just sounds wicked, right? And so they were essentially performing magic tricks using Jesus as the name of choice. They attempted to, to misuse the power of his name, the, the name of Jesus for their own gain. And, and it says at one point they went to this guy's house and, and they're doing their incantation thing. And he's like, hang on a second. I know Jesus. This is the demon talking through the guy. I know Jesus and I know Paul. I don't know you. And this one guy beats the tar out of these seven brothers and they run out of the house naked, bloody, and, and, and embarrassed. They're misused. They have no lordship in their life. So they have no relationship with the name they're trying to apply. Now for us, I don't think I know anybody who would necessarily do that in, in that manner, but... But I think often in a different way we can go, I, I, hey man, do you, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I go to church. Man, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I grew up, my, my grandma took me to church. Those are good things, going to church and grandma taking you to church. That's not the same thing as knowing Jesus at all. 
And if that's what somebody's banking on for their eternity, man, I hope they have a full stop and go, whoa, wait a minute. I hope the Holy Spirit arrests them in the moment and goes and shows them this is not the way. Don't bake your eternity on, yeah, I walk in there sometimes. I've heard of his name. I own a Bible. Know him. Know him. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. I love Romans 10. It says, anyone who calls out the name of Jesus is saved. And he makes it so easy. Hear me out. Jesus makes it so easy to live eternally with him. Now, discipleship and growth and maturity, that happens. He's got to work things in us and work things out of us. And we got to go through stuff. We got to mature. That's all discipleship. But salvation, the starting point for eternity, comes with calling out on the name of Jesus. So if you're here and you've never made that decision, it is in your court to decide. You can call out, Jesus, I want to know you. And you're saved. And then step into life to understand the name, to, to, to dive into the word with new spiritual eyes and understand it. But you got to start with, with calling out, Jesus, I want to know you. Yes. I mean, I remember on the side of the road, on Highway 123, right between Seguin and San Marcos, I was as broken as could be. I was lost. And, and at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I want you to be my king. And I was like, but I'm going to sit in this abandoned parking lot at Roy's Rebuilt Oil Field Equipment. I still remember it. Little shrubs and trees growing up and into the doorway. It had been abandoned for a while. And for three hours, I wrestled and fought and screamed and shook my fist and begged for help. And and at the end, in my Buick Skylark, that beautiful car that wouldn't run with air conditioning on, I was sweating to death because it was like September. And I just said, I want to be saved by you. And I drove out. And I remember pulling out on the highway. And I was like, well, I already missed college. Uh, so I'm going back home. Uh, just skiing. I, and I was like, I, f- I literally feel different. Like, am I faking it? Am I faking it? And I was like, why would I fake it? There's no one around to fake it to anymore. <laughs> right? But, but I called out. And I wrestled. It's okay to wrestle. But please, when you wrestle, at some point, give up. (laughs) Wrestle all you need to wrestle, but give up and give in and let him have you. And then watch the wrestling come easier because then you're not wrestling Jesus anymore. You're wrestling against the spiritual forces of darkness with the right weaponry in your hands. The key is to know Jesus and make him your Lord. And then walk in the confidence of using his name. Next we get the blood. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. Beautiful passage written to us about how Jesus' blood made peace with God for us and set us free. You're totally set with God. You ever worry like, does God like, is he mad at me? Anybody ever worry God mad at you? Anybody ever worry that like you're not doing good enough as a follower? Those are lies from the enemy trying to get you to perform for things that have already been earned and given and granted. Like when God gives us something, he's like, 
you don't need to ask for anything more than I've given. I, I've given you righteousness and blessing. I've given you a, a blameless life. I've given you everything that Jesus is. I've given to you. You're good with me. So how do I earn that, God? No, no, no. You're good with me. His blood made a way where there was no way. That's what we celebrate every time we celebrate communion. That's why I love to just, sometimes I rejoice and sometimes I'm just undone. But when I'm drinking that cup, I'm like, whoa, this got, I'm, I'm set with God because of the representation of this cup. But the blood of Jesus, he set us free from the accuser. Satan's the accuser. His blood sets you free from the accuser, yet he'll still accuse you. It's just a lie. It doesn't apply anymore. So don't get confused when you're still, when you're accused by the enemy. That's what he does. He's not going to stop doing that. He knows he's lost. He just wants to wreak havoc until the final curtain comes down. But he has no rights over us unless we give him. Unless we invite him in or, or bite or, or, or buy into it. It was Jesus doing all along, his blood. We did nothing and we make nothing happen. If we could live the Christian life on our own merits, then Jesus died in vain. And he would have been really dumb at doing it. Like if it was up to me to figure it out, then that's kind of embarrassing on Jesus. Because why die? I can't. He's the only one. So he goes to the cross and it's all done. And then I live following him, not trying to earn something. And I lived a performance life for a long time. A lot of you probably did. Maybe you still struggle with it. Earning something or performance lifestyle, probably because you were raised in it some way. But we gotta, we gotta be like, Lord, wash that clean from me. Like, help me to not perform. Help me to live because I love you and not perform to earn something from you. Because Jesus' performance did it all. Revelation 12, 10 and 11 talks about the power of the blood. John's writing this. He's given a vision of Jesus at the end of time. And he says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth the one who accuses them before our God day and night, that's what Satan does about you and I. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. When he says they here, that's you and I. And that's the proper word for they, not the stupid word for a singular person, they. This is they is you. They is me. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus did it. And the word of our testimony, what Jesus did in me that comes out of my mouth and my lifestyle. That's how we overcome the accuser of the brethren. The battle is won by banking on the work of Jesus on the cross. His shed blood won the war, won the battle, empowers you. It's your weapon that he wants you to utilize. This is you sharing Jesus' story. So this is Jesus' story here, this Bible. So when he talks about testimony, it's you sharing Jesus' story. It's also sharing the Jesus' story in you, the transformed life, who you once were, 
what he did to bring you to salvation and how you're living out your life now. So it's two stories, the Jesus story of the word and the Jesus story in your life. It defeats the works and schemes of Satan as a liar, a thief, and an accuser. You being willing no matter what brings victory in this war for your heart. Just saying, hey, I don't, they may not like me. It may feel embarrassing. They may not even care to hear about this, but I'm going to share because I, I, it's about eternity. Eternity's on the line for everybody who doesn't know Jesus. Every second of every day in the life of an unbeliever, eternity is on the line. You and I, we're good. Like, this is the worst day it'll ever get for us. <laughs> like, this is the worst that it'll ever be. Only amazing coming. Totally acting like Jesus when we, when we share his story and our story. Because the mission matters most. I want you to watch this video of Pastor Jeremy sharing a story about the power of the word. And then we're going to wrap it up. I'm out here at Camp Buckner and in about 10 days, we're gonna be hanging out with over 400 international students here. This has become a seedbed where the nations can come and hear the good news. And in Hebrews chapter four, it talks about the word being living and active, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And most of these students who are coming here this week, they don't know Jesus. So we're gonna get an opportunity to present the word of God, a weapon of our warfare that we know to be true, that brings people to the reality of the gospel. I think it was about two years ago, there was a student that came and we had some Bibles like this out on the table and she asked me, hey, is that a Bible? And I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, is it the whole thing? And I thought to myself, I know it's the whole thing, but she was just wondering, was it a complete Bible? And I said, yeah, it's the whole Bible. And she then asked me, she said, well, can I have one of those Bibles? And I said, absolutely, that's what I brought them for. And she goes, good, that Bible, that word of God, that weapon of your warfare, it's illegal in my country. So I had had that thought that moment, oh my gosh, God, not everyone has the whole word. And she read that word and sat in corners and chairs over the course of the camp weekend. And that word, I believe, really impacted and changed her heart and life. So the word is powerful and living and active. And I believe that I will see that young lady in heaven someday. I thought about it more that weekend as she began to open that word of God and sit in the chairs and read the word she may have come across the passage like this in Revelation where it speaks about the power of the Word of God and the power of Jesus' sacrifice for us. In Revelation 12, 11 it says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus' sacrifice for us, and by the word of their testimony. And I think it's just a great opportunity right here in this beautiful backyard that we have in Burnett County where we get to wield the weapons of our warfare, where we get to just practically be Jesus to over 400 international students for a weekend and show them what love really looks like, that their lives may be forever changed. Anything that, that brings you and others closer to God is gonna be opposed by the enemy. One of the things I love about, about Bridges going out to Camp Buckner is the, I mean, you talk about a, a T-ball setup for the gospel. We have anywhere from 250 to 400 typically come uh, 
to, to, to Bridges each year. Uh, I've never met a student that was a believer coming. I think I've met people from 11 different nations there. Uh, and, and I always have a blast just talking initially about life. And then I ask them about their spiritual life. And then I tell them my story in Jesus. And I've never had one student. Not had, I've never had a moment where they didn't ask me more questions. I mean, you talk about T-ball, Grand Slam. Serve at Bridges. Give away the story of Jesus in you. That's where you can actively tell the, the story of God and the story of God in your life. Anything that opposes your life and Jesus growing into maturity, anybody, anything that opposes their lives having an opportunity to know Jesus is going to be opposed by the enemy. It's why so often we'll, we'll come up to like, I'll hear people on Sunday, man, we almost didn't make today. We're fighting. Okay, we're human. At the same time, Satan doesn't want you here. It's healthy. People going, ah, I tried to come to Wednesday Night Live and man, I just, uh, I just I feel overwhelmed and I just needed, uh, I just needed a, a glass of wine and stare at Netflix. And it's like, well, that's terrible. Uh, as far as an alternative, uh, people that I, I would imagine this week, those who are, there'll be some that are going to serve at Camp Buckner and, and be missionaries in our own backyard are going to come up against reasons not to come. And some of them are valid. But, but walk through that because God has so much more for you. It's a war for your heart. It's a war for your spouse's heart. It's a war for your kids' hearts. It's a war for the, 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 the hearts of those that God puts in your influence and your care. So know how to wield the weapons, the, the, the word and the, and the name and the blood. We have to use the weapons God gives us to protect the hearts of our loved ones and our own hearts as we're going into war. Big questions I want to ask as we, as we go into a time of worship and response. Would you say that you're passive or aggressive in wielding the weapons of our warfare? Are you maybe just not confident in using them so you don't? Is it for somebody else to do because they're a leader or they're paid or they're more learned? Only you can answer that question. Don't whisper it to your spouse's ear if you know the answer for them, right? This is a moment for each one of us individually. What does it mean to wield a weapon? It means to have it on hand, to have it on you, and then, and then be able to use it with full command and authority. That's what it means to wield a weapon. So how confident are you in, in wielding the weapons of your warfare in this war for your heart? Are you praying confidently and asking God to show you how to, how to win this war for your heart? At, or are you passively just, just checking Christian boxes and mailing it in? Or you just go, oh, I'm just, I just go to church and, and I'm a, and I'm a good, good person. That's awesome to do those two things, but don't let that be your spiritual life. Remember, the Father wants to do more in you and for you than you could even ask or imagine to pray for. And we have to be, to be mindful that those who lose a battle get hurt. Those who lose a war get conquered. And this is a war for your heart where there are battles all along the way. And you're guaranteed to have victory in every battle and certainly in the war for your heart because we're backed by Jesus. So does the word have more authority than your circumstances? 
What this says, does it have more authority than your circumstances? If you would say, man, my circumstances are winning, man, start to live out this word. Does the name of Jesus really mean anything, or is it just something we're conditioned to know? Ah, I know Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or does it mean anything? Do we appropriate the blood like we should? Walk in forgiveness, walk in wholeness, walk in, in, in freedom like the blood purchased for us. We have three primary weapons. The word, the name, and the blood. So choose one today. Choose one today and, and begin to just step into that. And, and I'm not saying there's a magic number in just choosing one and stepping into that, but like start somewhere and develop a habit. And I encourage you for two weeks, again, it's not a magical number, it's just it helps create a healthy habit. For two weeks, whatever one that you feel led to, to begin to, to wield and learn about more and apply, man, two weeks, just, Lord, show me. Lord, show me the power of your name. Lord, show me what your blood means for me. Lord, Lord show me how to, how to know this word and then give it away to my kids. Make it a priority over the next two weeks. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now and I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing a song that, that really speaks to the power of who Jesus is. And, and I encourage you to come up for prayer, for, for a, a ministry time. And, and maybe right now, you're just ready to come up and have an extra measure of prayer fall upon your life. And if you wanna come up to the altar right now, well, before I even start praying, I'd love to pray over you. You don't have to. Altars are open for a time of worship, for a time of response. We're gonna sing two songs. But it, maybe it's just, you're like, I just, I really wanna to learn to apply this and learn how to, how to wield these weapons and, and grow in this. So I'm gonna pray over for each, really each of the specifics we talked about. And then we're gonna to go to a time of worship and you respond to him. So just join with me in prayer. Come up if you want it. Lord, I pray that as far as the word goes, may Jeremiah 15, 16 be our story. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. For the name, there's power in your name, Jesus, to save all who call to you, to heal to restore, to forgive, to protect, to empower. Lord, help us to live this out, apply it to our lives, and then live this out for the sake of others using your name and your blood. Jesus, your blood helps us to live in confidence in the truth of Hebrews 9, that your blood redeemed us forever. It cleansed us fully. It set us free and it cleansed our consciences as the enemy attacks tries to hurl accusations at us. Your blood protects our minds. Help us to learn how to apply this, to live it out. If there's someone in here who doesn't know you, I pray they call on your name, Romans 10, 13, and they are saved right here, right now. They believe it in their heart and they speak it out with their mouth and they are set eternally with you. So as we worship, let us worship in spirit, worship in spirit and truth turn over to you what needs to be turned over to you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let us hear you and let us respond. In your name I pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.